Welcome to the Liberty Podcast. We're so excited that you're interested in the teaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church. We're a multi-site church that exists to share the love of Christ across Northwest Indiana. If you're looking for a church home, please check us out at our website, findliberty.net. Thanks again for joining us as together we're transformed by the teaching from the Word of God. Well, good morning, Liberty. How are we doing this morning? Good. Um, My name is David. I am one of the pastors here at Liberty, and I serve as the pastor of student ministry. And uh, if I have not had the opportunity to uh, meet you, I would love um, to have that opportunity. So I'll be out in the lobby, narthex, whatever you want to call it, um, and we can we can take care of of that uh, that meeting. That'd be great. I'd love to meet you. Um, this morning, our text will be Luke chapter five, verses. 1 through 11, and as you turn there, I have a question for you. Have you ever failed at something? Have you ever failed at something that you were good at? We've all failed at things that we may have thought we were good at, or we've failed at things that we know that we're not good at. Like it may have been spending 12 hours to fix a dryer that should have taken one hour if you would have called the person who knew how to do it and and if you would have known how to use a multimeter tool to test the connectivity or the continuity of a part of the dryer, but maybe you would have Um, not assume that you knew the problem was because you've opened it up three different times before and you understood that like it has to be the heating element and it can't be one of the sensors so you disassemble it reassemble it press nothing happens or like and if this sounds really oddly specific it's because that is me (laughs) but what about failing at something that you were good at. It could have been your profession, your career, your job, or that hobby that you are really good at and it's your thing. How do you respond? And more importantly, where is Jesus at in the midst of that failure? How does Jesus engage with you in that moment? In today's passage, we will see how Jesus meets a fisherman in the moment of failure, frustration, and Jesus calls the fisherman to follow after him. Today, I trust that we can leave with an understanding of Jesus's power and authority and how Jesus's power and authority can strip us down to understand one thing, that we are sinners, yet in that realization, there is an invitation extended to us to follow him, not in our own strength, but in his strength. The passage again is Luke chapter 5 and verses 1 through 11 Let's read that. 
On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled uh, both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So a little bit of the setting. We have to understand where this is taking place. It says that it is um, the Lake of Gennesaret. And on the the map on the screen, we will see that the Lake of Gennesaret is known by different names, the Sea of Galilee. It's on the northwest coast. There's the city of Gennesaret itself. Now, this body of water has been referred to as the Sea of Tiberias, simply the Sea or the Lake or the Sea of Shinareth in the Old Testament. And if we're able to go to the map on the screen, uh, we can see where it is. So a few weeks ago, we talked about the raisin, the rope, and the peanut. And this would be the raisin the top of that section of where it goes from the Sea of Galilee in this passage, the Lake of Gennesaret, Jordan River down to the Dead Sea. We also have to have an understanding of some of the tools of the trade. These are fishermen and they were using nets to catch fish. And the net that they were using, based off the context of the passage, it says that they were fishing at night, this would be a net called a trammel net. And how this works is that this net is made out of a linen material, and the fish could see that material in the day. So as, and let's keep that in mind, During the day, the fish would be able to see the net. And normally this was this net was used close to shore during the night. It would be worked in such a way that that webbing that goes down to the bottom of the 
um, of the sea to the floor near the, near the shore that it would enclose the fish and then they would be trapped and they would get caught in the nets. If you have a sermon note sheet that you got from the youth booth, it has a picture of the, of the fish being intertwined into the webbing of the net. And so this is a method that they used widely on the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Gennesaret. So Simon and his partners are licking their wounds and washing their nets, wet, heavy, and dirty. And there is a juxtaposition going on that I believe it needs to be recognized and noticed. The crowds are pressing in on Jesus to hear what he has to say. And the crowds are observing and they're able to observe Simon and his partners in the midst of their failure. And they would be able to tell that very simply because there were no fish. There were no fish that were caught. The crowds are pressing in on Jesus, eager to hear him, to hear the word of God that Jesus would be speaking. Yes, Jesus would be speaking probably something from the Old Testament, but remember in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And later in the passage, and the word made himself manifest and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word. The crowds would have been able in that excitement to see the failure and the frustration on the face of Simon and his partners. Peter's failure, I'm gonna use Simon and Peter interchangeably, okay? And also to set this up, there are scholars that believe that this passage happened after Simon's mother was healed. Some believe that this passage happened before um, Simon's mother was healed. For the sake of today, it doesn't matter. For the sake of today, it doesn't matter. We're still going to get to the same place. Peter's failure was surrounded by a crowd of people eager and excited to hear Jesus speak. And we are going to see that Jesus is deciding to catch Simon. And we start off in verse 3 with our outline that we see and we meet a reluctant fisherman. Getting into one of the boats, that's Jesus, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. And Jesus is drawing Simon into the crowd by stepping into his boat and he asks him to push out a bit. And Simon, he does it. I mean, he doesn't have fish to clean. And this is presumably to be able to speak a little bit more easily to the crowd. Simon sits in the boat as Jesus does his teaching. And as he's sensing that Jesus is wrapping up his teaching time, probably anticipating going back to shore, 
Nope. That's not what happens. Jesus asks Simon to go out a bit further into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. It's helpful for us to recognize what Jesus is asking Simon to do. Simon is a professional fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. Simon knows his trade pretty well. Their nets, even at that moment, may have been almost finished, getting washed. And Jesus is asking him, everything that you just did, I'm going to erase it and we're going to go out into the deep. But this request makes no sense to a professional fisherman. These nets are used near the shore, not in the deep. And these nets are used at night, not during the day. Yet Simon answers, Master, that's an important word. Master, we toiled all night. We're exhausted. We have nothing to show for it. Yet, at your word, we'll let down the nets. So Peter, who is the leader, Simon, who is the leader of the fishing operation, motions the others, and now Peter informs them what they're going to do, something that does not make sense. It's like us saying, look, it's raining outside. Put down the top on the convertible and let's all go for a drive. It doesn't make sense. Which prompts the question, has the Lord ever asked you to do something that doesn't make sense? Has the Holy Spirit ever prompted you to do something that has made absolutely no sense? Because it could make you look like a fool. What if this doesn't pan out the way that it could? In Simon's case, he's already a failure from the previous night, and now he's being asked to look foolish on top of that in this instance. But he did it. We go from Simon being a reluctant fisherman now into a surprised fisherman. Because when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. They enclosed with their net a large number of fish. And their nets were actually breaking as they were getting tangled up in them. And they signaled for their partners on the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled the boats so that they began to sink. A miracle takes place. They use nets during the day that shouldn't be used during the day. They use nets in, the, in, a, in a portion of the, of the body of water that they should not be used in, yet they bring in this large harvest of fish. Now, we'd think that a typical response to this would be like, look at all of these fish. This is amazing. 
Like, we're going to hit it big at the market today. We could, hey, Jesus, we should start a business. We should start a business, and it's called Holy Fish. <laughs> Shoot, we can take the rest of the week off. Thank you, Jesus. And if we stop here in the passage, we could get the sense that the point of the story is trust God and he will bless you with a bunch of stuff. And if I were a health and wealth prosperity gospel preacher, I would stop the passage here and I would begin to wrap it up and I would talk about how much God wants to bless you if you just trust him. And I would then call for an offering and then I would probably take some of that offering, fly off in my jet to someplace warmer and more comfortable than here and then we would just all call it a day and you would all leave but Luke still keeps on writing. Luke still keeps on writing and Simon is slowly becoming Peter. And Simon is slowly becoming Peter. So Luke keeps on writing, so we're going to keep on going because we have a reluctant fisherman turned into a surprised fisherman, and now we have a repentant sinner. In verse 8, when, Peter, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. For I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he who and all were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. The response to the miraculous catch is not exactly excitement. It's not exactly a new business idea. But it's a response of worship and repentance. It says that the fishermen were astonished. What does it take to astonish a fisherman? You've heard fish stories, right? Yeah. It was this big. What does it take to astonish a fisherman? The power and authority of Jesus. Because Jesus in that moment was flexing his power and authority by using nets that you should not use in the deep in a part of the day that those nets should not be used because fish should be able to see the nets and avoid them. But yet, Jesus 
in showing his authority and power over all of creation, gathers the fish into the nets to be tangled into the net, so much so that they start to sink the boats as they are brought in. And Simon Peter starts to recognize that this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary person that is in the boat with him. And he's really starting to sense that as the boats start to sink because of so many fish. At the miraculous, Simon worships, repents, and calls Jesus Lord. Recognizing his authority and his power. Simon is confronted with such a great awareness of his sin, recognizing that Jesus, the word, that between Jesus being the word and the astonishing catch of fish, that he is in the boat with somebody who is not a normal, normal person. And Peter is recognizing, he's beginning to recognize the source of authority and power. And what would Jesus' response be? Too bad. Too late. You failed as a fisherman and you're lost. No. Jesus invites this failed fisherman to follow him. Jesus invites a failed fisherman to follow him. And Jesus said to Simon, verse 10, second part, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to land, They'd left everything and followed him. Jesus' response to him was to have him, Simon, Peter, join him. Yes, you failed as a fisherman. You couldn't catch a single fish. I want to catch you. You will now be a fisher of people. The fish that you normally would have caught, that you, they were living in the water, that as you collected them, they would, they would be killed and they would die and you would sell them in the market. I now want to flip that on its head and I want you to become a fisher of men and you are going to fish for people who are spiritually dead and you through the work of the spirit are going to be able to be a part of bringing them back to spiritual life and life eternal. Something else that we should notice is that as much of a failure that Simon Peter is, is at fishing, he's really good at pointing us to Jesus with the help of Luke telling the story. Because how many of us get stuck on the gift and miss 
the giver of the gift. It's kind of like a child who exclaims, oh, it's just what I wanted as they receive a gift and not thanking the one who gave it. You know, and there's been times in my own life that I'm able to look through my home and I'm able to look at the items and say, that was a gift. That was given to us. That was free. Oh, we bought that one. In looking at the items, it can be easy for us to say, that gift is amazing, without thinking about the giver of the gift. So we're told that, that Simon Peter and James and John bring the boats to the shore and then they leave the fish there and they follow after Jesus because they are following the source of the gift other than getting caught up in the gift itself. The gift is not the focus. The giver is the focus. The things are not to be the focus. Theos, or God, is to be the focus. So we have a fisherman who is reluctant a bit. And in that moment where he sees the excitement going on around him, it's probably a little bit of confusion. Why are all these people so excited? Can't they see that I'm not having a great day? Have you ever been there? Or maybe there's been a time where you have been confronted with something that is such a blessing or a gift that came into your life that you're like, wow, this is really kind of amazing. I'm going to receive it because it's amazing. And we may look at the gift more than the giver. And maybe you're at a point right now where it's like, through this sermon series, you have been sensing a pull, a pull from, from the Holy Spirit to say, this is for you. And if you're sitting there right now and you are at the edge of being like, I think I understand what Simon Peter is saying in that boat of get away from me because I am a sinner. There is grace and forgiveness on the other end of that statement. There is grace and forgiveness extended to you from Jesus. There is grace and forgiveness extended to you on the other end of that statement where we reach the end of ourselves and step into the grace and forgiveness and healing and wholeness of Jesus. So it's normally at this time around it that it's like, 
bow your heads and pray with me. We're gonna do something a little bit different. I'm gonna ask the, the worship team to come up and um, we wanna open up a space for you to be able to respond yourselves. Provide some moments for you to reflect and pray. Um, maybe you find yourself in that reluctant period right now of where you see the good going on around, but you don't feel the good. You're kind of just sitting there in that uneasy tension. Grab someone near you that you know. Look for someone near you that you know. Ask for prayer. Maybe it's you're that person that is like, I sense Jesus doing something. I sense the Holy Spirit doing something in my heart and in my mind, and I would like to be able to have a conversation with somebody, pull someone near. Ask them to pray with you. Maybe you as a believer even now, you're like, yes, my faith is placed in Jesus, but I really like the gifts more than I, I recognize the giver. We can all be there sometimes. Again, pull someone close and say, I need some help or I need some encouragement. And if you are in here and you have been able to have those times of reluctance, that time of repentance, and that you're able to say, yes, all these good things that have been given to me, I recognize that they come from the, from the, from the Father and I am, I'm pressing into that, then praise the Lord. Look around and encourage Look around and come alongside so that we are able as a body, the words that we just sang before the sermon um, started, that we would all be a people being able to say that Christ is enough. Christ is enough. We can leave the fish and follow the source. We can leave the gift and follow the gift giver or not focus on the gift, but focus on the gift giver. Jesus is enough. Christ is enough. In all that he asks of us, he provides through his spirit. All that he asks of us, he provides. So over these next moments, reluctant, repentant, gifts more than giver, reflect. Thanks for being with us today. If you'd like more information on our church or a place to connect, you can check us out on the web at findliberty.net.